Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is June 6th. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies on the northern coast of France. It was the first overlord communique on June 6, 1944. June 6, 1944 was D-Day. Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy. This successful action signaled the beginning of the end of the Second World War. It was the first stage in the liberation of Western Europe and a major step towards the defeat of the Nazi party. The campaign was codenamed Operation Overlord. Operation Overlord was a complex operation involving the land, sea, and air forces of the USA, Britain, Canada, and other allies. It required extensive planning and preparation, a process dogged by political and strategic arguments. Stalin, whose forces were engaging Germans in the east, pressured the allies to open a second front in Europe without such detailed preparation, and the Americans and British also had disagreements. Planning was affected by a lack of forces, and equipment, notably landing aircraft, and by the need to divert resources to campaigns elsewhere, especially in the Mediterranean. During 1943, however, the Allies achieved a much more favorable strategic position in Europe. The German U-boats in the Atlantic were defeated, and the Allied armies in the Mediterranean achieved increasing successes, as did Soviet forces on the Eastern Front. Through preparations began... Thorough preparations began in 1943. A new planning staff was assembled, and General Eisenhower was appointed Supreme Commander of the operation. Normandy was chosen for the landings because it was in range of fighter aircraft based in England, and it has open beaches that were not as well defended as those in the Pas de Calais. And they also had a fairly large port, Cherbourg, and was opposite the main ports of southern England. In the last few months of, before D-Day, the Allied forces wrecked the railways and bridges of northern France and achieved the necessary weakening of German air force strength. Other preparations include the manufacture of equipment including transport ships, landing craft, amphibious tanks, and artificial harbors. The Allies enforced a tight security to prevent the Germans learning the details of the invasion. The skillful use of intelligence and deception was also a key factor in the operation. An elaborate plan was implemented in order to convince the Germans that the invasion would be in the Pas de Calais. It worked! The Germans faced with the need to defend coastlines stretching from Norway to southwest France paid the most attention to the Pas de Calais. The Hoover Dam is as tall as a 60-story building. It was the highest dam in the world when it was completed in 1935. Its base is as thick as two football fields are long. Each spillway designed to let floodwaters pass without harming the dam itself can handle the volume of water that flows over the Niagara Falls. The amount of concrete used in the building was enough to pave a road stretching from San Francisco to New York City. The dam had to be big. It, was ba it held back what was then and still is the largest man-made lake in the United States. The amount of water in the lake, when full, could cover the entire United State of Connecticut 10 feet deep. Only a huge dam could stand up to the pressure of so much water. Building such a mammoth structure presented unprecedented challenges to the engineers of the Bureau of Reclamation. It stretched the abilities of its work builders to the limits. It claimed the lives of 96 of the 21,000 men who worked on it. Construction began in 1931. 
Americans began coming to see the Big Dam long before it was completed four years later. Most had to travel many miles, and at the end of the through a hostile desert, to reach this location on the border between Nevada and Arizona. The builders soon constructed an observation platform on the canyon rim to keep tourists away from the construction site. Hoover Dam did, and continues to, do all the things its supporters hoped it would. It protects Southern California and Arizona from the disastrous floods for which the Colorado had been famous. It provides water to irrigate farm fields. It supplies water and power to Los Angeles and other rapidly growing cities in the Southwest. But the dam also had an entirely unexpected result, one that began while it was still under construction. For millions of people in the 1930s, including those who had never visited it, Hoover Dam became, came to symbolize what American industry and American workers could do, even in the depths of the Great Depression. In the early 21st century, almost a million people still come to visit the huge dam every year. Hoover Dam was located where the Colorado River forms the boundary between the states of Nevada and Arizona and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and is designated as a National Historic Landmark. This lesson is based on the National Register of Historic Places documentation for Hoover Dam on National Historic Landmark Documentation, Hoover Dam, and photos, and on Bureau of Reclamation publications. This lesson was written by Marilyn Harper, historian, and edited by Teaching with Historic Places and Reclamation staff. This lesson is one of a series that brings the important series of historic places into classrooms across the country. And finally, in 1933, just outside Camden, New Jersey, drivers paid 25 cents per car plus additional 25 cents per person to watch the English comedy Wives Beware at the quintessentially American institution in the open air. The local Courier Press newspaper had touted the setting as the first automobile movie theater in the world. Parked in their Ford Model Bs and Buick Series 40s that Tuesday night, the attendees knew they were participating in a novel experiment, but they could not have known the extent to which the phenomenon they experienced would spread through the country in the next few decades. The innovator behind this motor age phenomenon, Richard Milton Hollingshead Jr., got his start at the Wiz Auto Products Company, founded by his father in the early years of the 20th century, to sell automobile accessories such as greases, oils, and polishes. In an expired extension of the family business in the early 1930s, Hollingshead did the first test run, or perhaps more accurately, a test park of his concept using a Kodak projector and a screen nailed to a tree in his backyard. For weeks, he experimented with a home theater layout to ensure that all passengers would have unobstructed views of the screen. Parking one car behind another, Hollingshead placed blocks under both cars' front wheels to adjust their height until the driver further back could see over the car in front. He captured what was unique about his idea in a 1932 patent application. My invention relates to the new and useful outdoor theater, Hollingshead wrote, whereby the transportation facilities to and from theater are made to constitute an element of the seating facilities. Despite his venture's successful opening night, the world's first remained ahead of its time. As an institution, the drive-in's heyday was in the 1950s when more than 4,000 screens dotted the American landscape. Still, from the very beginning, Hollingshead had correctly identified one of his invention's key points of appeal. Here, the whole family is welcome, he told the Courier Post, regardless of how noisy the children are apt to be. According to the National Association of Theater Owners, 549 drive-ins remained in the United States in, 19, er, in 2020. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Operation Overlord D-Day at NationalArchives.gov.uk The Boulder Dam 
at nps.gov in the first drive-in movie theater at pbs.org. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.